Hey, it's Heidi Dawson, and this is Wednesday Wisdom, where I interview wildly successful people from across the world, where we get an inside view into what their daily life looks like. Success leaves clues, and on Wednesdays, we're finding them. Join me now for the latest wildly successful interview. Hi guys, welcome to the 100th episode of the Wildly Successful Lifestyle Podcast. So I want to start my 100th episode by thanking each and every one of you for listening and for sharing and for hopefully enjoying each episode. And I feel so connected to you and I hope that you get that in return. And I enjoy it myself just as much as you do, I promise you. Now this interview is going to be a little bit different, not only because it's my 100th episode, but ironically it's coming out on the day that we inaugurate a new president. And I'm sure, unless you're living under a rock, you know that half the country is super ecstatic about that, and the other half is pretty devastated. Now I'm not that old, but I don't remember when we've been more polarized than we are right now. And whether you're happy for a new president or you're sad because you miss our current president, I want you to know that I love you. doesn't matter. I mean, we may have different beliefs, but there's something that makes us the same. Actually, there's a lot of things that make us the same. And I think that's part of the solution to uniting us is figuring out what we have in common. And I want to be part of the solution. My guest today, though, is, in my opinion, a big part and will be a big part of the solution moving forward. He's going to make us all feel better no matter how you're feeling about Inauguration Day. I can promise you that. You may know John O'Leary as the author of number one national best-selling books, On Fire, and his latest, In Awe amazing books. Or maybe you know him because he brought you to tears with his motivational speeches at your national convention. Or also because of his podcast, the John O'Leary Live Inspired Podcast. But I can tell you that you will not leave today's podcast without feeling like you can take on the world no matter what's going on in your life. And I think that's uh, what our country needs right now. So it is my privilege to introduce you to John O'Leary. Hi, John. It's such an honor to meet you. Heidi, I feel, I feel like we're long lost friends. So it's good to be on your show. An honor to uh, to make a new friend. Yes, I feel the exact same way. And I tell you what, um, you have you're so inspiring to so many people. And I've just I follow you on Instagram as well. And all of your posts right now are so timely. And mm. I met you sort of through my little sister. I don't know if you remember me telling you that or not, but she literally called me from her company's convention and she was crying. Like you were still on stage and she's calling me crying. Like you have well, got to- She should have stayed. She should have kept paying attention. The little boy ends up surviving the fire and maybe she would have not had tears in her eyes. Right. She would have had a smile on her face. Yeah, well, we she'll be listening to this. So we'll let her know that John O'Leary is upset with you, Molly. <laughs> <laughs> No, she literally did. She was like, you have to get his book. You've got to listen to this. She, I think she wanted me to listen while she was there and she was playing it. I was like, Molly, I can't hear <laughs> you pay attention. And then we'll talk about this later. So we got the book and I put it on Instagram. I was like, everyone should read your book. So, and I can't wait. I've got your in awe is, it should be here today. Awesome. So I'm super excited about that one too. So now for everyone listening, I I'm certain most people know who you are of you, but just for people who don't know who you are, can you tell us a little bit about your incredible story and kind of what you do and all that good stuff? 
So I, I walk into every room expecting no one to know me. And I don't say that out of false humility. It's just, I'm an ordinary guy. Like I'm, I'm a Missouri guy, born and raised, normal upbringing, two great parents, five siblings, four grandparents who um, were just part of our lives. And we had a wonderful upbringing. So, so wonderful. In fact, Heidi, I'm not sure we recognized how good it was. And then at age nine, I got burned in a house fire on 100% of my body. 87% of those burns were third degree. It's, you know, you've read on fire, you know that it's a death yeah. sentence. The math in 2021 is they take the percentage of the body burns, they add age and they got mortality. So back in 1987, if you do the math with me at home, okay, get, get your calculators out, put 100 in, then add nine, you got mortality and that's for 2021. So back in the day, there's just no chance. And yet this, this little guy goes on to fight and, and pray and hope and strive and through God's grace and this incredible community that comes, comes alongside of me, five and a half months later, this little guy goes home. And so that's the beginning of this epic journey forward. Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, I remember reading the book and I'm literally crying, you know, when your mom comes in the room and is like, John, you know, just talking to you, like, it's, it's okay, you know, but you were a fighter back then. And I, I see, you know, where you've taken it now. It's just incredible. The amount of people that, inspire you because you know sometimes we look at things and we're like oh we we have this problem or it's this problem but think about overcoming what you overcame where you're mm. burned over 100 percent of your body and we think we have problems <laughs> you know? well and i'm always really careful on that one because i you know i'm married so i never try to minimize her problems i'm raising four kids second grade spelling's hard. So I don't try to minimize her problems. And right. fourth grade math is tricky and not getting invited to a high school dance as a freshman for one of my kids growing up during COVID, man, that's hard. And oh, so I, I always try to use what I went through, not as um, like a litmus test, like is your problem worthy? <laughs> but instead just like, it opens up my heart a little bit more to where other people are. And I think one of the cool things about my story that makes this thing so beautiful and so worthy of, of imitating in some regards is I'm not really the hero of my story. So if you read On Fire or you okay. read In Awe or you've ever heard me speak or you've ever read one of my newsletters or heard me on the radio, you never, I hope, come away thinking, dang, man, that John O'Leary, first class guy, like he, he, he dominates, he kills it in business and he's got it all figured out. That will never be what you hear from me. I am the recipient of greatness. And so what I try to do in my writings and then in my speaking is to reflect what I learned, what it's meant for me at some point in my life, but ultimately what it means for the rest of us and ours. And so I think from that place of humility, we can do great things together. And I think, you know, that's something you and I are probably going to talk about, but it's how do you come together around challenges and opportunities together? Yeah, it's, it's incredible to me to watch what's been going on in the world recently. And I, all of your posts being so timely, we were talking a little bit about that. And right now, uh, I, ironically or unironically, I don't know, this episode will come out on January 20th. So it's mm. the, the inauguration of a new president. And in America, if you're listening and you're in America, even if you're not in America, American politics are, people watch it all over the world, right? right. So um, it's, it's a time where I think half the country is ecstatic we're getting a new president and the other half is really devastated that we're getting a new president. And how do you, I mean, how do you encourage, have you encouraged people? How do you think we can go forward in a united way? Because it just seems like we're so far apart. <laughs> 
well, gosh, there's a lot there. And almost anything I say will get me yelled at by the other half. And then uh, when I say, oh, wait one minute, then the other <laughs> half will hate me too. So by the end of this answer, I'll have a hundred percent of people resenting me. I'm going to go back and, and then I'll answer your question, but I'm going to go back to a, a lunch I had with my grandfather. And I know that's something you may want to talk about later on as well, but it was right after 9-11, 2001, the day the stock market reopened, I think it was five days after September 11th, but everything was shut down for almost a week. The markets reopened and I'm eating lunch with my grandfather and I'll get emotional because I just love the guy. I have a sense for how he voted, but I'm not sure because he never really talked about politics. Remember like 20 years ago when you never really talked about politics? Right. Well, there might be some wisdom in this. So we weren't talking about politics. We were talking about the fact that that day he made a large stock investment in two companies, which was risky on the day the markets reopened. But even riskier once he told me what they were. They were American Airlines and Boeing. Oh, wow. So here's a guy who's buying airline stock on the day the markets reopened after this horrific tragedy, national tragedy, international tragedy, but centered on, on aviation in some regards. And that was going to be the industry most hit. So I yell back, I just graduated college. I'm really smart. I'm like 21. I know what I'm talking about. I made oh, I two finance classes. So I say, grandpa, you're going to lose so much money. And he listened to my argument. And then he said, and Heidi, I think this is wisdom. He said, John, do you know why they call us the greatest generation? And then before I could answer how smart I was again, he said, here's why. It's not because we survived the Great Depression, and it's not because we went off and we fought in the Great One, World War II, and it's not because when we came back, those of us who survived it, we, great, we built the greatest society in the history of the world. That's not why they call us the greatest generation. Why they call us that is because at every step along the way, both during the good times and the bad times, we never forgot the lessons that that season was teaching us. We never forgot the lesson it was teaching us and the value of coming through those seasons, both the good seasons and the negative seasons together. Yeah. This was back on September 17th, 2001. And I think there's some wisdom that you and I and all of our brothers on the Republican Party and our sisters on the Democratic Party and everybody in between might benefit from learning from this. Like we've got to figure out what we've learned in the past, the good things and the negative things. But ultimately, how do we come through this thing together? Yeah. And so that's my way of dodging your, your question. Yeah, but that's easy. That, that's a great way, though. I mean, it's not really dodging it because if you think about it, that's the only way, right? You, you talked about um, in, in one of your posts, softening our biases. Hmm. And I loved that because I have biases that I, I am now aware of, but I didn't know I had them. Seriously, like you, that we do have blind spots that we don't know. And if every single person, on either side of the aisle will just sit back and go, okay, hold on, wait just one minute. I, this can't possibly be the only, only story, you know, and, right. and, and that is what I think we have to be willing to do is come together as a country and say, what do we have in common? You know, what is it that we can like about each other? You know, cause I don't care. I genuinely don't care what somebody, how they vote. I really don't. It's, you know, now if they attack me or something, yeah. that's a whole nother thing. But for the most part, it doesn't matter. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's all about who we are as humans. You know, we're still the same kind, right? So it says we have six human needs and we're and they're all the same. Every human yeah. has those. So I love that. I do too. I think you're right on with that point. And, and what I'll also say is we live now in an echo chamber. 
with yeah. the 24 hour news source. And we, we've had some on our podcast as well. And I've actually buried a couple because I recognize they're part of the problem. Actually, if you're only following our friends on MSNBC, don't be surprised when every night you hate the Republican party just a little bit more for their, their craziness. And for those of us who are listening only to Fox every single day, don't be surprised when every single night you hate the Democratic Party just a little bit more and Pelosi just a little bit more and you feel even more resentful how they stole the election just a little bit more. And then you turn off the news and you go into your blogs and they're echoing what you've already believed. And then what's happening quietly is Google and Facebook and Instagram and everybody else is they're serving you exactly what you seek because they want your attention. They don't want to offend you wrong. They want to make money from you. They all want to make money on you, which means they're giving you exactly what you want. They're giving the drug addict more of what makes that patient sick. So I think the best way candidly to come back together is turn off the Fox, turn off CNBC, turn off CNN, quit following things on Facebook that are unhealthy for you and you know what they are. Get away from that for a little bit. Meet your neighbors, even the neighbors that have signs that represent a party that you may not have voted for. And then you find the common ground and you find, God, gosh, man, we're not all that unalike. We want just about the exact same things for ourselves, for our family, for our next generation. And we can argue over how do we get there? And we should argue over that. Yeah. But we also should come back together afterwards and figure out what the next best steps are together. Uh, I have goosebumps because uh, what you're saying is so true. And I, from my own experience, like when, you know, and I read that post where you, one of your posts said, turn off the news, right? And so I've been working on that the last probably month or so is just not even not trying to consume anything because there were times where I would sit and I would scroll and I literally did feel like an addict. And I was like, this is not healthy. I mean, I just spent two hours because it's, it's true. You get on there, they're sending you and you get a little adrenaline from where you read something that, that defends your belief. And, and that is so scary to me because when I stopped that, I actually felt like I was detoxing. Well, keep detoxing. I think there's benefit to that. Just Don Lemon knows exactly what the hot button issues are. And they know exactly what words triggered you last night. So they can do more of it tonight because they want to sell you shampoo ads for the two minutes. And Tucker knows the exact same. So these guys, just to be aware, ladies and gentlemen, they're not telling you the news. They're, They're being controversial on purpose and they're trying to incite you. So don't be surprised when the events of a week and a half ago unfold. And everyone looks shocked that this would happen. Why be shocked? We've been slowly moving toward this. And unless we begin to pull away from the thing that is making us sick, we're going to see more of it going forward. Well, and and I think that what you and I are doing right now is, I think that's part of the big picture solution, right? It, it's people listening, like put, getting getting that good information and getting that, right. um, the American dream back into the vision and people just accepting that we're all the same and don't, it doesn't matter what color somebody's skin is. It, you, they look just alike on the inside. Everybody does. And, you know, and that's what's so beautiful always about your posts. I remember one that you had where it was in a parking lot. Somebody had fallen, a, a lady had fallen and, and you said, um, it doesn't, everyone came to run to help to yeah. And it didn't matter whether she was Republican or Democrat or whatever. Nobody asked that question. They loved her and they wanted to help her. And that's yeah. what I feel is going to have to take the place of the, you know, the news is, is just common decency and, and meeting each other halfway. That's right. That is right. And, and that post, by the way, it was, you know, my wife and I were going to pick up like cereal at Target or something. Yeah. 
you know, some big adventure like this during yeah. COVID. And this older lady with a walker fell. And before we could pull the car over, there were already two people yeah. who were helping her up. This is during the crime of COVID. So they're taking on a risk. And then there was a, a young black man who was working at Chick-fil-A who ran across his parking lot over to help her. So now you, you, you have all these different people with all these different beliefs working together. And listen, I, I know it sounds so Pollyanna-ish, but the way you've changed the world, I believe always, is not in DC or Birmingham or Jefferson City or Sacramento. It is in your own backyard. Yeah. It is one by one. It starts in the mirror. Then you love your kids well. You do the best you can in your own backyard. You do a great job professionally. For those of you who are educators, man, teach that classroom with everything it got. Be kind to your neighbors. Learn what's going on in their world. Make sure they don't feel isolated. Two years ago, this is back in 2018, 1.6 million Americans attempted suicide. You know, the, the, the pandemic was here long before COVID arrived. Wow. And so the pandemic is isolation, I it's anxiety, it's oh. a fact. And so it's, these are difficult days we live in. And the more we build the walls around our own lives, the more we're going to be driven toward a, a life that is filled with despair. And I, listen, I, we're talking a lot about negativity. I'm an optimist. Yeah, I'm utterly well. convinced our best days are in front of us completely. Yes. I have a smile from the time I get out of bed until I hit, hit the pillow again, 18 hours later. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a believer. I'm very optimistic, but the, there are seasons. There are seasons that are hard. And I think we're in the middle of one right now. But that's when people like you and me, we have to, to be vocal and, and get that optimism out there because I, I get, I, when I see somebody like you or other people that are so optimistic, optimistic about the world, I'm like, okay, so I'm just looking at the wrong thing here. You know, it helps. And that's, that's what I love. I mean, and, and COVID, we talked about that a little bit is, is tough and it's been tough on the kids. It's been tough on elderly people. It's been across the board that it's been super tough. And so we're all having to adapt, like uh, wearing masks, you know, schools closed, people are changing, having to deal with change left and right. So um, how do you encourage people? Have you had to encourage people that are dealing with the COVID thing where they're anxious or scared or angry? Yeah. Because it doesn't seem like there's an end, right? Like I'm not seeing an end in sight. Well, I think one of the mistakes we sometimes make, and we made it with COVID, is we, we had our politicians on both sides of the aisles in front of us and tell us two weeks or four weeks or give us eight weeks. Into 16 weeks. And here we are now 10 months in. And you're right, like there, there's still a journey in front of us. Even after we get through the journey, there's going to be some collateral damage. There's going to be some challenges that we face then going forward from that. And so how do you pivot forward? And, and what does it mean ultimately for us as individuals? I always start at home. You know, I, I have a, a, a bit of a platform. I do some speaking, do a lot of speaking virtually these days and have a podcast. But rather than always promoting stuff externally, I try to be a practitioner. And so when you say, how do you encourage people that are dealing with anxiety around COVID to pivot in, to lean in? And well, man, I start with my wife. <laughs> I start with the reflection of the mirror first, but then my wife, then our four kids. When the world changed back in March, 94% of our revenue for 2020 disappeared overnight. And so I'm a motivational speaker. I go on big airplanes and go to big arenas and meet people like your little sister. And that's where we do our work. That's where we make our money. That's where the revenue comes from. And all of it went away. Right. And so my wife and I decided very early on, like, we're going to go through this thing and we're going to go through it boldly and faithfully together. And we're not going to hide what's going on with our kids. 
and we're going to remain optimistic. We're going to remain loving. We're going to give each other a lot of grace because I used to be on the road now. Now I'm home all the time. Right. We have a bit less resources, but we wanted to stay generous. Yeah. <laughs> so we're talking about all this aloud with our kids. And even to the point where one of the kids, his name is Patrick, Patrick he's my second born. Okay. He made the recommendation that during COVID, we give away 100% of our book sales to this group in St. Louis called Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Oh, because wow. as challenged as we might have been as a family, give me a break. I mean, it's nothing compared to those who have far, far less means than my wife and I and our family does. Okay. And so we, we had to take the wisdom from a child and then implement that as adults. And it was so cool to see this momentum build as a family, then as an online community, as we released the book in awe around, yeah, writing a book and marketing the book and making sales, but ultimately doing all of this in an effort to make a difference and to make a difference together, regardless of skin color, political affiliation, sexual orientation, all these things that we love to throw up our flags and say, that makes me different. That makes me more than or less than. Uh, Patrick suggested that we be generous to this group, and we did. And I, I think we were able to cut a check for $30,000 at the height of COVID-19 and the global pandemic for this organization that we love. I'm a board Way member. Way to go, Patrick. Way so to go, Patrick. <laughs> One thing you can do, this is, you know, I want to give you three quick ideas. One is to okay, be yes, generous. Yes, I'm going to write them down. Be, be generous. Be radically generous during seasons that are somewhat challenging for you. It helps to take the attention from you and throw it to towards someone else. So that's one really cool thing. The second thing we do every night around the dinner table is we share a highlight reel. And now that the kids are back in school, the, the highlight reel is always twofold. Uh, it's where did you witness kindness today? And so they, they know every night their doggone dad's going to come home from work. He's going to ask that same stupid question. So all day long, this is cool, Heidi. They're not looking for what went wrong. We'll talk about that before I tuck them into bed. We'll, we'll have a little one-to-one -one time. They're looking for what's going right. They're looking for evidence of goodness. The media does not do this. No. I promise you. Watch the news tonight if you don't believe me. They are not looking for evidence of goodness, but my kids are. And because they are, they see it every single day. So every night they report out on where they saw evidence of goodness. And then they know the third question their darn dad is going to ask, which is, okay, I'm glad you saw it somewhere else. Where were you? That evidence for someone else. Where did you show someone what page you were on in math? Where, when did you hold the door open? When did you share the peanut butter and jelly sandwich? What are you doing for those around you? And so th those are little things that we try to do as a family that when you add them up over time, and then when you start scaling this through, scaling this through other families, it's no longer so little. And we're not waiting for DC to make it better for us. We're not waiting for COVID to go away. We're taking the next best step as individuals. And that's how change has always erupted. Yeah, because if you look, I mean, that's, that is brilliant because it's so true. Like if I'm looking for good and I'm, I'm one of those optimists like you. And so when I see people, I can find something I love about every single person. I genuinely can. Like if you put me in a room with a hundred people, I will find something I love about every <laughs> single one of them. That's the truth. And if you're looking for that, you find it. And right. if you're looking for what they're going to annoy you with, You'll find that too. That's and right. that's, that's the beauty of this is maybe we just, you know, set that seed in someone's mind that they do this with their kids where they ask that question because, oh my goodness, I mean, you're giving me goosebumps every five seconds, but <laughs> if somebody would just do that, I mean, I think my husband and I should do that. Like sometimes 
we will like th this morning um it, it was kind of dreary and it's a monday and you know and and anyway long story short we started saying what we loved about our life and we just told each other that mm. and that's and it, it makes you like oh, gosh we are blessed you know and then you, the rest of the day is turned around no matter what happens you got all this stuff that you're blessed for so you're doing that for your children and and that is brilliant because they are looking for that all day and they'll find it and so wow I, I told you i give it give you three things let, let me if you don't mind just give you the third oh yes so the, the the first is about looking looking to make a difference the second is the kindness questions and the third and you're hinting at it right there but just to drive the nail all the way into the wood i strongly encourage folks to start gratitude journals and to be very focused on what you're writing about so don't you know anything you write would be beneficial but, but to give you a, a specific example back in 2017 january 1 the year before we'd had an awesome year professionally and financially but, but in some ways I was drifting in my marriage. And that to me, that's one of the most important relationships I have on earth. Like I want my, I want to, I want to be a great husband. And so in January one, I wrote a little love letter and this is going to get me in trouble with all your male listeners, but here we go, guys. <laughs> I wrote a little love letter to Beth. It's a dear, dear Beth. And then I told her that I'm going to start tracking one good thing she does every day. Just one thing she did. And so on that day, I tracked one beautiful thing she did, a word she spoke an action she took for a neighbor, whatever it might've been. And then I did it again on January 2nd and the 3rd and the 4th and the 5th and then for the entire month and then February and then March and all the way through the year and never told out told her I was doing this. The goal was instead of and this is what I do naturally because um, I think deep down I'm a pessimist actually I got to work really hard against it. I sometimes see what Beth isn't for me, you know, just being really brutally honest rather than seeing my gosh she's so much like she's so much better than i'm in every single possible way wow. and so i started tracking all the good things that she is and was and did and, and does and so i did that for 360 days and then on christmas that year i gave her this old beat up journal it had been everywhere with me for 2017 and wrapped it up in you know, newspaper or whatever i wrapped it in and, and it was the first i think truly great present i'd ever given her I tried jewelry before it. I tried a dress before it. I tried shoes or nothing ever worked perfectly. This was good, but not only because of the gift Christmas morning, the entire year, my heart was changed. Yeah. Like I just, I'm, I can't put it to you anymore simply. Like I wasn't looking at what she wasn't. I was looking at what she was wow. and it, it didn't change her, it changed me. And so for those of us really struggling right now with the Republican party or the Democrats or our lousy spouse or our lack of spouse or whatever the thing might be, start a different journal. So start tracking like you and your husband did today, Heidi, what you got, what you love about your life, write it down tonight and wash and repeat tomorrow. Watch what happens. I love that so much. I'm writing, I'm, I'm, I'm jotting that down just a little bit here. Well, so, so how did, did she just fall? I mean, did she just <laughs> I would have just, I think I would have cried for an hour and then cried through the whole thing reading it. Right. You know, that's the coolest thing. Well, she's so pragmatic and beautiful. Like, she, I think she's like, why, why would you do this? You know, what were you <laughs> thinking? What a colossal waste of time. And yet, as we all know, like, it's it's never wrong to track what's right. And so uh, it was secretly, cool to get that day. Secretly, she was so happy. I can tell from a no woman's standpoint. <laughs> I, I love walking by the bedroom occasionally, and I'll walk by, and she'll be laughing. And then I'll look in through the doorway, and she's reading this old, ugly journal. Oh, my God. And here it is, four years later, she still gets a kick out of it. And I think she oh. always will. And, and she, 
I'm also a bit of a fatalist in some regards. Like, I, unlike many of your listeners, I know I'm not going to live forever, not on this side of eternity. And so I always want her when I'm gone, if I'm the one to go first, to just have something to remember me by, to yeah. like re, to be reminded how much John was wild about her. And so I know like, hey man, for, for 360 days, uh, here's, a, here's a love letter for you. Well, that is just beautiful. I love that. I think, I think we can all learn from just that point alone because not only you said it didn't just help her, it really ended up changing your life. When you were trying to change hers, it ended up changing yours. And I think that's probably something that we all um, you know, can do. We're trying to just make ourselves better. And in the same way, you can make the world a better place. And that's what you're doing one person at a time. So not only one person at a time, you speak to thousands, right? So in your books, you're changing lots of people's lives through that too. So, wow, that's really beautiful. Um, your book on fire, I love it so much. And I think anybody that reads it, you just, I actually read it in two days. Okay. Two days. I mean, it, and I'm, I am kind of a speed reader, but yeah, I clearly, <laughs> I couldn't put it down. So, did you? Okay, were you always a good writer? I mean, is that something that just came naturally? Right. No. So, you know, I barely got out of high school in some regards. I, I think I barely got into the college where I went. And one of my favorite experiences is in this book line at a Barnes and Noble. Uh, you know, signing a book, hugging the person, hearing their story, then wash and repeat, do it again and again. Uh, this is in the early days of the book's release. I think it was back in March of 2016. All of a sudden, my English teacher from junior year in high school is, in, is standing in front of me. Wow. And this is the guy who knew me. Not not like the polished, suited up John O'Leary with the microphone perfectly pitched. No, not <laughs> at all. Uh, he knew the troublemaker, the kid who was a little bit late to class, late submitting work, uh, dangling propositions and everything else, man. So he knew me and for him to recognize that he had a part in this, yeah. in this kid that was not a naturally gifted writer and still is not, it's really work. It's, it's all work. But I think when you find something that is worthy, you can, you can seek it and you can keep trying to get a little bit better at whatever that thing is. And for me, I want to be a better writer. And yeah. so I hope when you read it all, you're like, wow, John's, John's even better. And I hope when you read the next better than on fire. I don't even see how it's possible, but okay. I'm gonna let, I'm gonna, I'll let you know. <laughs> What I've found is, is in reading other people's works, there's a guy named Henry, Henry Nouwen. Henry Nouwen's a spiritual guy, a theologian, I think out of Northern Europe. And he wrote a book. I mean, he wrote a lot of books, but The Prodigal Son and The Wounded Healer and many others. One of my favorite quotes from him is, he says, what is most personal is most universal, which sounds very peculiar. But Henry will write about his depression or he'll write about his lack of sense of self and how he doesn't belong in any room. And he, he you know, oh, why would you write that about yourself? You're weak. And then you turn the page to see what he says next. Yeah. Because what is most personal is most universal. And, and so in my writing, whether, you know, even in my sharing today, I'm talking about my marriage, man. I'm I, I, yeah. <laughs> no money this year. Like I'm talking about it all. Yeah. Uh, but yet in, in sharing the vulnerable, Hopefully people who look and act and worship and vote differently than I do are right now at home saying me too. Right. I, you know, I, I've never been burned. I have all 10 of my fingers. Uh, I'm single. All the other things that make us different in quotes. But as John opening up his heart and being real, I think people are probably like, oh, damn, me too. And so I, I try to imitate that through my own writing style of being very vulnerable 
and then um, and then putting it out in a way that's not about look at me, but look at you. Look, look how good your life is. Look how firm the foundation is. Look at all the things you can still do in your life. That's so that's so right. And it, it is about being vulnerable because we sometimes we project this image and and people are like, oh, your life is so perfect. Or you see these highlight reels on the social media. And it's real easy to think like, you know, I don't get nervous for podcasts, right? But I was super nervous for this podcast today because I, I you know, I just, I think I had, I had been trying to get in touch with you for a while and, and, and I knew, I knew, knew, knew that it was meant to be um, something special. And so it's exactly the way it should have been. Thank you for being my 100th guest, by the way. Can I say that? (laughs) Centurion. I'm glad I made it. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. So anyway, I, um, I just, I think that I just lost my point, my thought, because I was saying I was just so nervous for this podcast and I don't normally get that way. So, it's true. Being vulnerable is hard though for a lot of people because sometimes you think, well, I have to have this image or they're going to think less of me, but don't they think more of you when you seem real to them? Wow. That's awesome. And I think you could ask all your listeners and certainly yourself that, but I am always most impressed by people who are just who they are. Yeah. Like no false pretense, no errors. They are just uniquely them. I'm I'm turned on by people who are, who are themselves. Yeah. And the the weird the weird thing is, you don't see them all that often. No, you don't. Most of us are wearing the makeup, and that's not knocking Mary Kay or anybody else. Like most of us, pretend to be a little bit more or a little bit less than we actually are. And I'm I just am in awe of people who just show up and are who they are, and and don't really apologize for it. They 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 step into a room not to draw the spotlight to themselves, but to reflect it to you. And I think that's really attractive these days. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So that's, that's really good. Say that again. I'm making it up as I go, but they don't walk (laughs) into a room to make, to have the spotlight drawn to them, but instead to reflect it back to you. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I feel like when I've watched, cause I watched several of your videos. I feel like you do that in on stage. I feel like you do that with your, with your, the people in your crowd. So, so well, so that's a very good point that you made. I like that a lot. Thank you. What, so you're, you're kind of say that what, when I write and the, so then I'll go from writing to speaking, but when I write, I always write a, 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 a book or a chapter or newsletter uh, for one person that I know needs to read it. Like there's someone out there that needs to read this. And so if like on fire, every chapter you read, I wrote like, I wrote like dear, and then I put a name in there. And then I wrote the chapter because I wanted to make that thing as personal and as real for one individual as I possibly could. I'm not trying to sell 10 million books. I want one person's life better. That's all. And if I do that, man, that is a high five moment. And when I speak, even in a big auditorium, I'm not playing to the big auditorium. I'm playing for the 20,000. I'm looking at, at you and your life and your heart and your singleness, your divorce, your marriage, your dreams, your aspirations, your goal. Like, I want to see you and I want you to see me. And then I, when I look away from your face, because what people don't realize on a stage is like, you can see them. It's not just like a guy walking around like a robot. <laughs> it, it's it's two-way conversation. And then when I look away from your face, Heidi, I see your younger sister. And then I see a guy next to her and then the usher. Man, the usher right behind them and the AV guys in the back. And so it, it is always a one-to-one conversation. And I think the more you can make your conversations in life always one-to-one and in a perfect world, always about the person you're speaking to, man, the more lives you can touch along the way. 
Yeah. Isn't that true though? When you sit and you speak with someone and you feel like you're the only person in the room, those are the most dynamic people that, and the most fun, like I always want to get back in an audience with them because you feel like they just made me feel like I'm important. And if you can do that is make them feel as beautiful as you think that they are, because you know, they really are. And you, you do that really well on stage. Have you had, like, is there ever, is there a, um, an engagement or an experience that stands out for you from your speaking engagements? Gosh. So I've been blessed to speak a couple thousand times live. Right. A million people. One, I mean, gosh, two, two came to mind right away. The, the first was a prison. And I forget if it was Northern Missouri or Leavenworth, Kansas. Now we do, we've done a little bit of prison work. But man, I'm really nervous. Like I'm, you mentioned, John, I was nervous before I hit record on this podcast. Well, me too. And I'll be nervous before I do the next seminar and the next virtual deal. Like I'm always nervous, which means it's real. So I think it's good to have some anxiety. Yeah. Um, my friend, Charlie Palm says, it's not about not having anxiety or not having butterflies. It's about getting the butterflies to fly in formation. He's an old Navy pilot. So get the butterflies to fly in formation. That's our goal. But I, I'm nervous as I go into these, uh, these prisoners. I've never done that kind of work before. It's a nighttime seminar. There's 150 guys or so in the room and the lights get cut halfway through and the alarms start sounding, three doors slam. And now it's me, <laughs> a chaplain and 150, you know, these guys are lifers, man. They're never coming out of there and they got nothing to lose. And they didn't want to be there in the first place in this locked room with me and no lights. Yeah. And then there's one little fire escape light that turns on and kind of shines one single light kind of toward the stage, but just kind of lightly dolly lights the entire room. And I don't, you know, what am I supposed to do here? And then from the middle of the room, I hear this loud voice go, keep going. So, so in pitch black, man, 150 guys, one chaplain and John O'Leary, we just keep going. I kept sharing the story, kept sharing what it means to them is where they are right now in their life and how the fact that these walls and what they've done in the past do not have to define them. Right. So that, that was a powerful, powerful session with those guys. And we've done That's several since then. Awesome. <laughs> and then another one of no my one. favorites was with, with kids who've been burned. You know, I, yeah. we didn't go into a lot of the story, but I, I spent months in hospital and years in therapy and lost my fingers in amputation and walk with a limp and walk a little slumped over and have scars over my entire body. But I have a great life. Yeah. And then you see these little kids, man, they're scared. Many of them are just coming out of hospital. Many of them have not been back to school. Many of them don't know if they're ever going to fit in. And then they see this old guy who drives his own car and then he gets out of it. And oh my gosh, he's got no fingers it, and he's married. So some girl held his hand and he's got his own kids and he's got a job he loves. And, oh, he's got a community online. Like It blows their mind to think that what they've been through, kind of like the felons, does not have to define them negatively going forward. Right. So I love sharing hope with folks that are starving for it. And what you and I know to be true, Heidi, is everybody's longing for hope right now. Like in spite of the house where we live or the income level that we're at, man, the majority of us feel as if our best days are behind us. Yeah. So then you step into a room or your podcast comes into a channel or someone else, you know, you show up in someone else's yard and you're like, listen, uh, I see you. And I'm here with you and you're not alone and you're good. And th yeah. that's, this is important work we're doing. 
It is, and and I I think what you were just saying, if everyone could feel that way, you know, where you you're giving hope to these little kids who have been burned, and you know that they're terrified because kids are mean, That's you right. know, and and sometimes adults are too, and so when we if we could all just remember to feel that way or try to make someone else feel that way is that it's going to be okay and you're going to be able to do in, in spite of what you've done in the past because we all have past and we all have stories and and I always like to say you can take that story and use it as an anchor you know because a lot of people do that and it would be justified like for you you know it what you were burned over 100 percent of your body people would understand if you were just you know if you didn't do anything, right? But <laughs> right, my mother would not. But I hear you. I hear what you're saying. <laughs> no, thank goodness for your mother, because we have all been. We're also thankful to your mother. But that sometimes people do have these stories that they use as an anchor, and I always like to say, use it as fuel. Use it as fuel instead of an anchor, because you're gonna, you got it. It's your story, right. you know. So you can use it moving forward as as fuel, and I think that's a powerful tool, you mm. know. So. Um, okay, so you have all of these th great things you're doing, podcasts, virtual. Are you doing a lot more virtual um, convention kind of motivation things then? Because yeah, not going on stage. You know, it's been crazy. So I've had dinner with my kids for 320 nights or so in a row and breakfast with them 319 mornings <laughs> wow. in a row. But at the same time, we've partnered now with more than 100 organizations virtually yeah. and had a huge impact on individual lives because, man, th this season has been really, really hard on all of us, everybody. Yeah. And I know the examples always given, yeah, we're all in the same storm, but we're in different boats. Fair enough. Yeah. But everybody is going up and down in these crazy ways that you and I are living in right now and enduring and just barely hanging on and and we're virtually schooling our kids right now or we don't have children and we're not able to date or like man it is just these are tough days yeah. so we've been blessed to go, come into organizations to partner with them to virtually come alongside of them and to really provide them some clear next steps that they can take to stay healthy, to stay well, to stay within their circle, control the things they can and let go of all the things they cannot. Yeah, that that's huge is is being able to focus on what you control because there's so much in the world right now that we don't control. And right. if you focus on that, like you're just making yourself miserable because there's a lot that you do control, you know, and like you just said, there's a lot you control. And if you just focus on that, you right. know, there's a fine line between sticking your head in the sand though. And, you know, with sometimes people are like, well, if everyone sticks their head in the sand and acts like it's not there, then, you know, well, that's then nut change doesn't happen. That's but, right. you know, so how do you, how do you answer that? Is that, yeah. that's a hard question for you. You know, it's a great question. I think most of us confuse information with, with knowledge or wisdom. And I don't know if, if watching three hours of Fox really makes you that much more wise or three hours of CNN really, if, does that really make you more wise? And I think most of us are conflating the two of thinking like, gosh, the more I know about what happened in the Capitol rights, the more wise I am. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that is actually true. I think the way we actually spark change is to love the one in front of us. And, and it's in particularly important when they look differently than we, than we do, when they worship differently than we do. And here comes a really radical idea when they vote differently than we do. Yeah. We're trying to push down the other side. And that is maybe in war, it works kind of, but uh, there is no active war going on right now. We're, we're, we're talking in war terms, but the way we spark the change that we desire is actually to meet people where they are, to listen to their concerns. That's actually what led 
to the last previous elections actually, is that a whole group of people felt that they were being ignored. Yeah. Well, then our job is to go out there and meet them, to listen and, and to meet them one-to-one with where they are. So don't confuse macro knowledge with true wisdom. Yeah, that's a good point because it's, you know, getting knowledge by watching the news is that's, you're not getting knowledge. You're getting, and a lot of times it's not even truth. It's, it's just right. getting what they want you to hear. Like we go back, we can circle back to that conversation, which, you know, that's true is that it's not, doesn't mean that what you're hearing is even true. Uh, a lot of people will say, oh, well, when, you know, when president Trump came into uh, power, the world's going to end. The world didn't end, you know, and Joe Biden becoming president, the world's not going to end with Joe Biden. You know, they only have so much power. And so we can always look at it and go, okay, all right. So they want you to believe in the worst fears. You know, the news wants you to be scared, but if you just like scale back a little bit and go, all right, what's true? What is real in my life right now? You know, my husband uh, is awesome. Uh, He has, he's not lost his job. You know, we are doing fine. Um, we haven't lost anyone to COVID. We have known people that have been, been sick. So you can just start looking at it and go, okay, I'm okay. I'm okay right now. And if I just focus on that, then that's good. So. And it's important. History is just a wonderful teacher for those of us who want to learn the lessons. You went back as far as, as uh, what Trump and then before that Obama and then before that Bush and then before that keep going back. But the, the opposite side is always convinced that when they lose the thing, whatever the thing is, that it's done. It's done. And as hot as these times are we're living in right now, check it out. The summer of 1968, man, that was a very divided time in our nation. Okay. We, we, economically, we, we have faced, I think, 12 recessions since World War II. We've been through global war. Like, We've been through global pandemics. We've been through storms, people. This too shall pass. And so the best way to weather the storm is not to pay hyper attention to what's happening tonight on the evening news. They're trying to have you tune in. Just be aware of that. The best way, I think, to weather the storm is to go out and make sure that your neighbor's okay and and to make sure that her neighbor's okay. And then to start building an army of people, not willing to fight a war, but to do life together. That's right. And so this is really important work and it's got to get done. This too shall pass is one of the most powerful statements I ever have heard and continue to believe and listen and say it many times is this too shall pass. And this is going to pass. What's what's going through is going to be fine. America is going to be fine. Um, You're very brave and you are also very gracious in the way that you speak to the current time. Um, you sometimes, you know, you talk about sensitive subjects and I know, do you ever get nervous about the cancel culture? <laughs> My goodness, you know, you, but you're nope. so gracious. I mean, who, nobody really could come after you, but, but it is, you what have I to say, What I would say, Heidi, is they, they, and the they is the, the boogeyman behind the closet. Right, in the shadow. They? <laughs> they will come after you and me and anybody else who feels differently than they do. But I'm, I'm not going to hide in the shadows and I'm not when there's as much light as there is to share and reflect. So we're going to march boldly. I, I call it the radical middle, except that there's a book out there by that same title written by a guy on the far left. So you got to be even careful on how you phrase things. But there's a large subset of the nation and of the world that wants to do life together. Yeah. My first time speaking beyond St. Louis, I was really worried how people way over in Illinois, that's one river away from where I reside, would feel about me. 
And then I remember going to the East Coast wondering, gosh, how will the New Yorkers feel? And then going to the West Coast, how will they feel? Then go into Mexico and Canada and Haiti and all around the world now. We've been in dozens of countries, always worried, how will they feel? When you share your heart from a place of honest, authentic truth, and when you have the, have the audacity to listen to someone else's perspective, you begin to build bridges. And that's what we don't see a whole lot of right now. We yeah. hear a whole lot of insightful conversation coming to you from both sides of the aisle, but not a whole lot of folks that are truly, truly willing to lay down their life and to unify. Yeah. And so I'm willing to lay right down in the middle and say, we, you know, we've got to figure this thing out together. It is the only way forward. It is the only way forward. It is. And I believe that everything you're putting out is, is that you're doing that. And I, I, I say this. Um, with my entire heart is that you are part of the solution. And I think moving forward, you're such a big part of that solution. So please keep up with your posts that you're doing because they're beautiful. And I look for them now. Like I, can, I, I hope that you put one out every day. I'm like, please, what is John saying? Today? Cause it's always so good, you know, and we have this thing where our thoughts, we have what, what is it up to 65,000 thoughts a day, 80% of which are negative, wow. you know, so we're our own worst enemies is a true statement. And I mean, how, we sabotage ourselves in that way. So how, how do we overcome that? And then I'm going to, I know I'm taking up all your time today, but I'm enjoying um, it. <laughs> how do we overcome that? Again, it goes back to what we chatted about a few moments ago, where, where you share the positive. And I know there's people listening right now thinking, man, these guys are being so flighty and so Pollyanna, except it's not. And this is not just, and now go back to your cave for safety and hopefully the storm will pass. This is actually about, okay, now that you've made a list of what you've got, go out into the storm, go into it, go right into the middle of it and make a difference. So I'm not trying to hide away from it. Heidi, I know you're not either. And I think the, the great listeners right now of your show, they're not trying to disappear and just wait for the thing to pass. Yeah. The way we wait for the thing to pass is to get involved and to get engaged and to make a difference. And, you know, you and I are recording this on Martin Luther King Jr. Day yeah. here, here in the United States. Uh, man, here's an example of a guy who was the change that he sought to make in the world. Absolutely. He wasn't just waiting for someone else to do it. He knew. He knew when he left the confines of his little church that it was going to lead ultimately toward his death. Yeah. It took him a little bit more than a decade for that thing to become a reality, but it, it happened the way he knew it would, but he wasn't going to hide away when change needed to be made. Yeah. And so I, I just encourage your listeners to lovingly go out there and to, to make a difference. It doesn't have to be on social media. It doesn't have to be at scale, but it does have to begin. And it usually begins with the reflection in the mirror. Yeah. So true. It is. That's, so beautiful. Um, all right. So I always ask this question and I feel like I, I want to ask you, I you, normally it's my first question out of the gate, but you talked about um, being some things that you do with your children every night. Is yeah. that your routine? Do you have a morning routine? Cause you're, you, you have a very positive vibe. I know you say that you have to work on that, but is there something you do every day that tries, that keeps you positive? Cause you <laughs> Uh, yeah, drinking coffee, among other things, seems to good, yes. <laughs> that does seem to help a little bit, take the edge off. I know, I love coffee. In, with intentionality, I'm a faithful guy. And so to know that there's a God who created me with a purpose yeah. and will eventually call me home. And like, I just give God so much gratitude for the grace that is wildly undeserved. 
So I'm grateful for that in my life and in your life and in every one of your listeners' lives. Whether you guys know that or not, you've got grace in your life. You've got a God who loves you. And my friend Bob Goff says, there are no grandkids in God's wallet. I like that. So you, you are his sons and daughters uniquely positioned here for a purpose. Our job is to discern it and live it. So I'm grateful for that. Every morning I wake up, I, I give thanks. I have a gratitude journal. I live in the word. I read reflections. I spend about 30 minutes in silence. I go on nature walks. I know this sounds crazy, but otherwise I get- Who does that? <laughs> I, I, good question. But the people who I look up to who are most successful do. Yeah. They step away from the busy and the urgent to do the things that are important. Right. And so take care of yourself. Give yourself grace. Right. Do the things that bring you peace. Don't hope that you have time at the end of the day. Start your day by making time right away. And so I get up before anybody else to make sure I have time to reflect, to pray, to have a gratitude journal, and to take a walk in nature. Right. And in doing all that, then I get my kids up. I got four little ones to wake up right now. And I recognize you know, you used a great term a moment, a moment ago, this too shall pass. I don't take their lives for granted. When you should have died as a child, you recognize every breath as a gift. Wow. So every breath of my children is also a gift. So I, I, when I walk into their room and these little ones, and some of them are now taller than I am, man, what a blessing. Eventually they're going to go off to college. They're going to get their own jobs, their own lives. They're going to move away from mom and dad. I'm considering clipping their wings, but I don't know if it will work. <laughs> So I'm, it won't I'm work. They'll find another way. They'll find another way. They'll crawl. Look at that. Look at you. That's right. They have a dad that is can can has shown them that anything's possible. So yeah, you clip their wings. They're just gonna crawl through it. So I love it. And, Wonderful. And then in the evening, I, I read the headlines. I read the front page of the Wall Street Journal, a little bit of the New York Times, Washington Post, of a few of the others, PBS, a few, primarily just to get a sense for what's happening. I don't want to be, I don't want to be able to quote back to you what Biden said yesterday or Trump, Trump tweeted or could have tweeted tweeted today. Like it doesn't matter to me. And it probably should not matter to you. Yeah. We should get back to our circles, control the things you can't, let go of the things you can't, and take the next best step. That's perfect. And I think that is a wonderful way to end this because I know you have a family that you is waiting for you probably. I don't know, it's not quite dinner time. You're, you're on the same time as me, right? Four? I'm central. Yes, you're on central. So am I. All right. So then um, what, how do people follow you? What's the best way for people to keep, I get your email and I love it. Right. Um, so how do they follow you? What is the best way to keep in touch with you? Um, your podcast, all that good stuff. Cause I'm going to put this in the show notes. Awesome. You know, so the easiest website to remember is readinaw.com. So it's readinaw.com. Okay. And there they can learn about our podcast. For those of you who only love podcasts, it's called a Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. Uh, they can learn more about the books I have, one called On Fire, one's called In Awe, our speaking, our coaching, our consulting, the work we do in the community, all that other stuff, social media links, our 21-day free uh, hope challenge. All of that's listed there. It's called readinaw.com. And our primary website is johnolearyinspires.com. I love it. All right. Well, that's awesome. And I thank you a thousand times for being my 100th guest. I couldn't imagine anything better. Um, it's exactly what I hoped it would be. And you are just continue to do the inspiring work you do because you do you can rest your head at night knowing not only are you inspiring your family, but you inspire the world with what you're doing. 
So well, you do too. Please tell your baby sister. Thanks for making the phone call. I will tell her and I appreciate this so much. Go have a wonderful evening and um, we'll be looking for you on Instagram and, and all and all will be here, I think in the next couple of days. So I'll read that and let you know what I think. <laughs> Looking forward to the review. All right, John, have a great evening. Likewise. Thanks again for the time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends because we're just going to keep going bigger and better places together. And I love that about us. Talk to you in a few days.